Welcome to Burby, Sam and Jody after the show. And uh, in case you haven't heard by now, if you've missed a few podcasts, we're on vacation through July the 19th. We'll be back on the 19th. But we're mixing and matching after the show podcast. So we actually do have some episodes that we're doing for you while we're on vacation. And we're also doing some ICYMI moments for you in case you missed it moments for the after the show podcast. So enjoy both and we'll see you back again on the 19th. Welcome to Murphy, Sam and Jody after the show. Um, so this one's going to be a little bit different today. And uh, the reason I say that is because I'm going to share a story uh, that has been alluded to on the show for many years, but has never been described in detail before. And Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> that's, Sasquatch. Bigfoot. That's one. They're, they're, it's, it's the real reason that I quit, you know, drinking. And then the other thing is m- maybe with, maybe this will be helpful to somebody who's either struggling through this um, oh, it a will be. Every time both of you talk about it, even just a little bit, people feel like, oh, wow, I'm not alone in that. Yeah, right. So, I mean, totally. if, this, if this helps a family member or a friend or, 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 or even the person who is right experiencing it, then, you know, then good. So uh, are you ready? Should I want to start from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, it was a hot summer day in July of 19... Well, no, that's, it was May. Oh, not that Ten far back. Ten years ago today. Right. I was going back to birth, but yeah. Oh, Lordy. So, yeah, today, May uh, May the 19th, it was 2011, and that was the last time that I had an alcoholic drink. Uh, and the reason for that is because everything kind of culminated on the evening of May the oh. 19th. The with, formal version with something that I always thought that I was going to be able to, you know, resist, which uh, apparently I didn't, and so realize I grew up in a household of uh, where I had an alcoholic father who did stop drinking in 1990 and was dry through the, the remainder of his life until he passed this year, 30 years, and I learned a lot from going through that process with him because obviously we did you know, conjoined and all the family stuff with him and, and 12 step. We went through all that with him. Uh, and then I've gone through it another, a couple of times in my life with friends and then some other family members, Jody, as you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, some of my family members. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, come 2011, um, early that year without me really realizing it that's when i was we joke about it a lot i was making margaritas at home tuesday i was night. having fun man hey, and I, no if big. you remember april 1st of that year was my wedding i do and, and we showed you up showed up with a pitcher of margaritas that's Murphy right ma- did you make so them at home and bring them to sam's yes. wedding yeah or we, did i make them there i think no, you made them there because they had did? to be made fresh wow you yeah. brought all the ingredients yeah. and you made them in sam's kitchen you only showed up with a half a pitcher hmm. <laughs> Um, but they, they, yeah, those were good. But you know, as <laughs> as you know, things would happen that year. Um, it was one of those where I would have a casual drink every night, loved wine, things like that. But hard alcohol was really the problem, and I didn't know that. I was always aware that it could be an issue for me at some point in my life because my dad and a lineage of that. There were many others in in mm. my family that also struggled with alcohol and went down very different paths in some mm-hmm. case uh cases my dad lost his uh, well he didn't lose his job but he was is he could have mm-hmm. uh the company had put him on basically a probation because he was drinking morning noon and night uh it had not gotten that far for me however what did happen to me is the reason that i that i stopped because i was as jody can tell you um 
I was making mixed drinks pretty much every night when I got home, wasn't I? In the in the yeah. last couple, and it accelerated. I wasn't doing that. It's weird. If you rewound to 2010. It was a weekend thing. It was a weekend thing or mm-hmm. the occasional if we went out or something like that. But for whatever reason, it started to progress to where that's it was something I was looking forward to every night. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I was doing. So anyway, um, I, the reason I'm explaining all that is because I was – kind of aware of it but i didn't think that there was a problem that was going on i knew that it was happening because it was a few nights before this night yeah that i was bathing phoebe and you walked in we tell the story and we laugh about it and you walked in and i'm like you know i'm i'm up to my elbows and suds and kids and Mm -hmm. stuff to do and we have this early morning life and i'm in it and you walk in to the bathroom like frank sinatra with two drinks in your hand like hey i made Something from scratch. Would you want to try it? I think it was a Bloody Mary. And you know, I love that. And I was like, no, thanks. It's nine o'clock. Wasn't that the one where where you said he walked in and said, I think this is the best one I've made yet? (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Something like that. But what I'm saying is that I saw it too, but it did not occur to me that it was a problem because you also still got up every morning and came to work and we did what we, you know what I mean? It wasn't, it didn't. It, well, because it snuck I was, up on me too. Well, I wasn't drinking to that point every night when I was drinking at home. The problem was when okay. I would go out, I was really, right. I, I always had the issue with the overindulging, especially if it was parties or something like that. And for years it was like that. And it's not like it was happening once a week. That was every, you know, couple of months or, or whatever it was. The Halloween the, the year before yeah, that was and, the story. And, and, you know, you didn't like a lot of those moments, which I, get, you know, I get now. <clears throat> so anyway, fast forward back to May the 19th, twenty. 11. It was the second time in that week that I'd actually gone out with a coworker of ours uh, and to the same uh, to the same bar. We'd met some people. We were just, you know, just doing the kind of after work stuff. And so I was making, you know, having the bartender make my favorite margaritas. But for whatever reason, I was ordering them as doubles and, you know, instead of the just like you need that much tequila, you know. Um, wow. And uh, so, you know, earlier that week, um, I, I was, I wasn't feeling any pain. You know what I mean? I had to kind of hang around for a while before I could, you know, go home. But that, th- you know, I think it was a Thursday. It was a Thursday night. Yeah. So it was a Thursday night. I know for night. sure it was a Thursday night. Yeah. Um, but that you, night, yeah. uh, you know, my, our, I think our coworker actually left. And for whatever reason, I was still there at the bar. Mm-hmm. And I think I was on my fourth or fifth margarita at that point which i which i jokingly called margarita it was really nothing more than watered down tequila <laughs> with a little bit of salt <laughs> and um i you know i talked to jody and jody wanted me to bring a diet coke home and that was probably two hours beforehand and i was this, yeah you really told handy. me you were coming home and can i bring you anything i'm like sure i'll take a diet coke because we were out or something i don't know yeah it's a weird so, request for whatever crazy reason that e- evening um, which is the reason you have to say that you're powerless over alcohol. Um, I decided to get behind the wheel. And when I did, it's not like Jody and I live that far from this place, but it would have been, should have been, an easy turn out. To just go home was straight shot home. But when I got in the car, I guess I just lost my way, whatever it was that was going on, and I was driving and driving and driving. And I would kind of recognize where I was, and, and now this is going to get foggy, realize, because you know, I think you know what's coming here. Um, 
but I had turned into onto a road that was under construction, and there were cones on the road. It's a four-lane road, but it, had been, it was two-way traffic mm-hmm. because they had two of the lanes blocked off. And the only thing separating uh, the two lanes were cones. And when I turned into uh, that construction, I turned into the oncoming lane. And I uh, didn't really know that. I, and it's again, I'm, it's in and out. I had faint moments of realizing, God, I'm struggling to get home. Oh my God, you know. And it's funny, it was not on our, on the way home though. Where you were was not on the way home. I know. Yeah. So when you so, could, anyway. Anyway, what wound up happening is, sure enough, blue lights start flashing, and um, and I realized, you know, then it's like, okay, I I need to pull over. So I put the brakes on, and stopped. But the blue lights were not behind me. They were in front of me. And it was a police officer who was headed straight towards me. I was headed straight towards him. And by the grace of God, uh, I put you know, I, I, I put the brakes on. And he got out of his car and was visually, you know, and, and, and justifiably upset. Um, and then they did the whole, you know, the whole DUI routine and, uh, you know, uh, took, me, took me away. And... Um, so over the next couple of days, while I was thinking through the process there, knowing that there was going to be a legal, you know, whole bunch of legal stuff to go through, I did the classic alcoholic thing, and I will call that. I don't really like to label myself as that because that's, I, I do have, you know, an issue with alcohol, which is why I don't drink it anymore. But I, don't, I, I wasn't like the guy who was, you know, trashed 24-7. I just wasn't. But it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I'm getting to here is those first two days, and Jody can tell you, you were questioning whether I was going to rationalize myself out of that. Well, and I was wondering also. We'll get some odds. Easy part of too. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And so I was. My first thought is, you know, well, I mean, I, I, maybe there's a technicality here. You know, maybe I, maybe there's some way I can get out of this. And then it just finally hit me. I was talking with a friend of mine, and I mean, I knew that going into it because of this time I'd spent with my father. Is that. It only takes one time to make that decision, and it could have had unbelievably grave consequences if there hadn't been what I believe is is divine intervention because I was not sober enough to know or do anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, if, to me, all it takes is one time to decide that it's okay to get behind the wheel like that, uh, if you're going to make that decision once, then you're going to be prone to make it more times because it's not really a decision. It's all alcohol blur. Right. Mm-hmm. And you had said that you so, thought you were blacking out at that point. Yeah. And like I, and getting and in I, the car and driving the wrong way home yeah. was a blackout issue. Yeah, because I was I was in I, I was in, in in and out. And so, mm-hmm. um, if the sober me had been sitting next to me in that place, I probably would have kept myself. You know, at the bar, I literally to this day don't know what possessed me to get up and go. And that's also the thing that keeps me from having or wanting to take another. I so would have come and picked you up. I know. I mean, not that you ever really did that. You never really asked me to do that. But I so would have done that. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I'll spare some of the details on that. I mean, the legal part is what it is, right? It's against the law. And I had to uh, do a year's worth of a, a pretrial intervention program that helped me to, you know, it was it was basically saying, okay, you've got to be committed and, and all in, and then, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like a plea, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, whatever. It's like you have to plea prove bargain. 
Yeah. You have to prove well, to, to them that you to are keep, working. Right. And then you have a five-year probationary period, or I did in this case, for it not to go back you know, on your record. It's, I mean, it, it holds you accountable. And by the way, it was first offense. So um, I guess they do that for you on first offense. You don't get that option if you've done it yeah. more than once. Mm-hmm. And um, But as I went through the program... Um, God, it's it's so many crazy things. I had to do the safe start thing, blow into the thing to start my vehicle, blow and hum actually, because you you have to prove that it's a person, not a not a, you're not using a uh, vacuum cleaner to blow. Hum? Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to blow and hum so it knows it's a person. Like a song or just hum? And, yeah, and and, and and you know, and again, look, all these programs are different around the country, but I had to go in once a month. They downloaded the photos. There's a camera in there to make sure that it's you that's actually starting the car and all that too, and all that's turned into your. You know, <laughs> they know that people are going to push it if they can. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that, and gets, that gets turns in, into your, you know, your supervisor, your probation officer. That was such a crazy time. And then you you have to go meet with that person once a week, and I had to do volunteer duties, and all that gave me a lot of time to think. Although, again, you know, by that weekend, I, I realized this is not. I, I can't go back and justify this. Laying down next to Phoebe in the bed that evening is where I realized that I could have, they could have lost me, or I could have done something that would have altered the family forever. I could have altered that police officer's life forever. Mm. I might not have made it out of it. I, I mean, there you are so him head on. many things, right, that could have happened that um, I just, to me, that's not the kind of thing you can take for granted. I, there's no way that I could, you know, rationalize and go back, oh, wow. Well, it was just one of those things. It was so extreme that I don't know that anything has changed my life or outlook as as quickly as that did. Mm-hmm. And the reason, you know, Jody did the Facebook post saying it's 10 years and, and it, that it's one day at a time. And I think I mentioned this on the show that it's kind of lofty. To, I don't want to celebrate, celebrate because it's, you know, it, it's a weird pressure thing. It really is. It's one day at a time. It's very complex, but um, it's not that I'm not. I don't enjoy the fact that I'm that I, I've made Sober. it this far. I love that, and it's not that I don't celebrate that. I'm very happy about right exactly. You know, remaining sober and being able to go places and enjoy things and understand that I don't need alcohol to enhance. You know, either you always have the moments, Sam, which you probably are familiar with too, where at the beginning you're like, well. You know, it's it, but but just a beer. I mean, God, what yeah. about what about for all the times that I didn't drink too much and all that? That none of that actually matters at all, as anybody who you know goes through AA will tell you. But so, some of the things that there were a couple of other things I just wanted to mention about that pretrial year. The safe start thing was an experience, and every time I caught myself getting frustrated with what an inconvenience it is, I just rewound the movie. That's the way I tell Jody. I the movie plays in my head quite graphically over and over again. And when I say the whole thing, I'm talking about the bar itself being pulled over, you know, the issues, you know, needless to say, this officer justifiably also was very, um, his adrenaline was high Mm -hmm. at the time. So that scene wasn't great. I was not resistant, obviously, to anything. Um, You also have a, a problem with the song that was playing. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, Adele Rolling in the Deep was the song that was playing at the bar that night. So when I hear that, everything, all those things flash back. 
Phoebe being in the bed, Jody being, again, ups- uh, uh, upset, which you should have been, right? Um, There's a whole component about this is is our relationship, too. Yeah. Well, we can get to that, too, or another so, another podcast so, if you want. Yeah, but I, you know, it's, the only other thing I wanted to mention about that, that there were real stories that I'd always heard. I'd always seen the public service announcements and Mothers Against you know, Drunk Drivers, and I understood that. I never condoned it. I never thought there was anything. I never thought that I should have been driving right. that way. But that's not what that's about. It's about the fact that if you've got a problem, whatever it is in your brain, and, and alcohol does the numbing part, you're not in a position to make any Just good decisions, decisions at that right. point. And the only way to avoid making those bad decisions is not to put the alcohol in your body in the first place. Yeah. And that's what I had to you know come to come to grips with. And so there was a Mothers Against Drunk Drivers presentation that I also had to attend. And then I'll tell you about the community service thing in a minute, too. There's just things There's sticking so much. in my head. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Um, there was one lady who got up on the stage and was talking about her husband, who was a truck driver. And, a, you know, good man, hardworking man. He was two days before retiring. And he was hauling whatever load he was hauling back home. And there was a guy in a pickup truck who crossed the center line. He'd been drinking head on. 18-wheeler went off the road, caught fire, and he he died in his cab. Mm-hmm. And they were quite graphic with the photos from the scene. Um, it was very emotional, obviously, when she's telling the story of a gentleman who'd worked his life and was looking forward to his retirement and his grandchildren and whose life was claimed you know, by uh, by a drunk driver. And, you know, again, it just, it resonated with me. It spoke to me. I know that there were people around me who were just doing it because they needed to be there. They were supposed to be there so they could check the box. But there were those who were like me that were just, it really, it, it touched me. And I figured if I was committing a year of my life to all of these things, I'm not going to waste that time that I'm investing in myself by even mentally entertaining the idea that any part of it was was a waste of my time because it wasn't. The last thing was my community service, which was I was assigned window cleaning at a YMCA, hmm. and I had to go twice a week for three months, I think is what it was. And I showed up after work, and of course I'm dressed in my dress shirt and you know dress shoes and all that, going straight from work there. And the guy who was head of maintenance there would just tell me, you know, where to hand me my rags and my cleaning and my little step stool. And I would get up, and these windows were about, they were 14, uh, 14 feet tall. Mm. So part of it I was having to reach with a, you know, pole and all that and, and clean those windows. And I realized that first time that I got up on that ladder to start cleaning those windows, it's like, wow. And everybody's walking by me with their towels around their neck and they're going to work out. And here I am cleaning windows mm-hmm. you know um and it was a little humiliating at first but then i just it was a ton of think time mm-hmm. and i you know i mean it's I just, almost like they design it that way yeah but you know do you know what i this is gonna i don't know why this part's gonna make me emotional but i i i worked hard to make sure those windows were perfectly clean mm-hmm it's it's crazy, you know. I mean, of all things, but anyway, because I feel I felt like I was, you know, paying, I don't paying a debt back, whatever it was. Uh, so that year, my point is that year, <clears throat> excuse me, really it gripped me, and so you know, it's still one day at a time, 
But so many things could have changed. And if there's even a smidge of a flash of a second, and there always will be, you know, when you least expect it, there's going to be that moment of, wow, boy, that would be nice. And I, I don't know, oh, that, I, I don't know yeah. that I would call it a craving or not, but it's just enough that you need to catch it and go, okay, cool. I yeah. get it. Yeah, this is how I'm wired. And then you let it go. It's the same way that I quit smoking. You know what I mean? It's it's tough. It's very easy to fall into the, well, I could or whatever. So I realized, you know, through that year that I need to accept the fact that there will be a craving in the world. And this is all about choices, whether it's today, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, or on my deathbed, that it's always going to be about a choice. Don't fight the craving just be intelligent and embrace it that it's that I am powerless over this and it's okay to have the thought it's the decision that I make that is whether you know I remain sober or not and so here we are today 10 years later and I'm I'm grateful for that I just I don't know what I did to deserve any chance where there was that what I call divine much divine intervention because I could have screwed up a lot of lives mm-hmm. that night, a lot of them, and um, and I, I mean I'm grateful to that officer. I'm grateful to everybody um, because I've you know come out of it so far <laughs> without you know without having anything since then. But anyway, so what were you going to say, Jody? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Did you have the defensive driving class, too? Yeah, I had that. Yeah. And do you know what's crazy about that? I was telling her oldest daughter, Taylor, about this. And by the way, I made sure that I shared all of that with her. She was old enough she to was know. She old enough. She was 10 years old, or she was 9, when I had the safe start in my car. And and I just explained that to her. You know, this is what I did, baby. This is what happens, you know, when somebody, you know, drinks. It can happen It can happen to the person who's not an alcoholic, too. Realize, right? It's not just about, it's not only alcoholics that get behind the wheel like when they shouldn't. Um, but uh, I wanted her to learn that from an, you know from an early age, and as we've told her this time, you you Let's may not wind up with it. This gene runs in the family. I've got cousins, I've got aunts and uncles. My dad, I can point at a lot of people on to my you, side too, to, right to show you where this comes from. And it doesn't mean that you'll have it, but you need to be aware of it. And um, but anyway, so she was in there, and she remembers going with me to the place that would download the photos, and we sat in the waiting room until they, mm-hmm. you know, downloaded everything they needed to and reset the camera and put me back on the road again. One of the, what's funny is that at that point you were still, we were, we were in that parent mode of driving them all over the place, and at first when you had that thing in your car, it was like, you, you need to bring them. I can't bring them. I don't want to explain this. At first we weren't explaining it to them, yeah. and then a few weeks in it's kind of like, this is going to be in your car for a while. I need help with these kids. Phoebe's not going to pay attention. She was little, yeah. but Taylor was. So that's why. That's one reason. It was like, let's just tell her. You, you decided. Let's just. I'm going to be honest with her. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. The Phoebe, whole Phoebe doesn't even remember that. No. Well, before you say that, I before because I almost lost my train of thought sure, there. What sorry. I was going to say it was funny. No, it's okay. In the in the defensive driving class that you asked about, Sam, and then I told this is what I told Taylor. I was the oldest guy in that class, huh. okay? So I was 40, 40-ish, 41, yeah. something like that when, when this happened. And um, everybody else in that class was either in college or barely drinking age, yeah. you know what I mean, mm-hmm. 21, 22. And that was another one of those moments that jumped out at me. It's like, okay, so this may be a mistake for these, bad mistake that they shouldn't have made, 
and maybe they're not alcoholic. Right. But if I'm the oldest guy sitting in here, and by this age, this is something that I do, if I decide to repeat that, that's a sign of another problem. I mean, it's just like all of it finally just started flooding to me. When I finally acknowledged that, that this is not the way that you know I'm going to be able to live the rest of my life, it all became apparent. And I, it does sound trite and cliche to say that admitting that you have a problem, but you really have to get to that place where you're open to it because you're not going to think about anything that you're not open to. But it was so weird to me. It's like, I'm the oldest dude in here, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Um, but anyway, that's what I, that's what were you about to say, Jody? No, I was just, there's so much to it. I mean, I want to do another podcast one day with Sam about your story. Yeah, too, I do but too. There's so much to it. I remember we had a major, major moment in our marriage two days after this happened. Major moment. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You coming out of the bathroom. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Two days after this happened, and I won't take long because I know we've gone, you know, this Two days after that happened, so this would have been May ten years ago, and and the in the two days after, our friend brought you home, you know, from being booked and all of that. It was a couple of r- really rough days, you know. You and I were there was a lot of tension and, and un- uncertainty between us. Mm-hmm. I remember I had to take, you know, life goes on. I had to take the girls to a birthday party, and it was like at the mall. And he followed me there. And I was like, why are you following me? He was like, I've got to talk to you. And I was like, I can't talk about this now. It was so bad. And then we had the show. And it was a Thursday night that this happened. You missed Friday's show. I did. There was no way for I was too sick to do Friday's And I was show. telling, you know, I was telling, you know, Sam and everybody else here that it, you were gone. You were out, not here for a different reason. You know, I felt like I was lying and all that. But two days later, I was laying on our be- on the bed. Do you remember this? In our little house our first little house, and you walked out of the bathroom. And in my brain, knowing you, Murphy, like I've known you for all these years, I thought you know he, is well. the, he is the most one of the most stubborn people I've ever known, and that's part of your success. I don't say that in a mean way, but you're just a very driven, like whatever you decide to put your mind to, you do. So to me, I didn't see you giving it up. I, did, I, I saw you trying to find a way to drink still. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I can't live like this. I don't want to ever this. I don't, I, you know, the, what happened just shook me up. And you walked out of the bathroom and I was finally open enough to talk to you. And the first thing you said was, I'm going to have to quit drinking. I don't know how I'm going to do it yet. You know, I'm going to go talk to somebody, but I am going to stop drinking. And I remember I had the biggest exhale, like, you had to put it down your margarita, huh? Oh, huh. <laughs> I know you don't think I had anything right. to drink for a long time. But anyway, I just, that was a big moment mm-hmm. when you said that. You know, you're a very, you bring a lot of power to a room. And, and so for you to, to for you to just lead with that, I knew you would. I didn't know what it was going to be like. I remember thinking, I certainly know that relapse is possible. Yeah. And I do cer- certainly know that it's one day at a time. It is. But that was a major moment for us as a family because I I think if you would have in those in those few days after that happened, if you would have justified it in any way or said, I'm just gonna have beer from now on or whatever, I remember thinking that we're gonna be at this place again. Yeah. And that I didn't know that I wanted that. Yeah. You know? You know, it, so that first day, the first twenty four hours afterwards for one thing, I just I don't think I'd ever drank any. That's the most I'd ever drank in any one sitting ever you in my were life. Sick. 
I was very sick for a couple of days. Type one diabetic. That's another thing that you know just compounds the problem. All just all these warning signs, and um, so that first twenty four hours, I my brain was playing that game. Mm-hmm. It was the wow, this is kind of weird. I can't. How did I do that? Why, uh, what, what can I do to make sure this doesn't happen again, you know? Mm-hmm. And still drink. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you know, then the what you just described 48 hours later. And, you know, it's crazy. And, Sam, and you probably relate to this, too. So in the first, those first days after when I was, you know, realizing that, you know, choosing not to drink, choosing not to drink, choosing not to drink. Anytime that I was in a remotely social setting, I can't tell you how many people ask me the question, well, can't you just have a beer or what wine? What if you just don't drink the hard alcohol? Which, by the way, was the same rationalization that I had used in years yeah. past, you know. Um, they don't know. It, They've never been there. Yeah, and at first, right? yeah, they, at first, oh, my God, that was so difficult. And I know that the whole thing was my responsibility, but I would actually be frustrated with people that were asking me that question. But then I realized it's – it's there's it's not their fault mm-hmm. and it's my responsibility anyway that's why i mean it does if jody wants to have a drink it doesn't matter it's fine that's that's her not me um we don't keep and, it in the house and, though and no one owes me anything you know what i mean it's only only i can actually you know decide whether i'm going to partake or not yeah and uh but it's it is it's very misunderstood it's probably misunderstood because there are some people who just aren't they're not genetically predisposed to it it's no big deal you drink socially not a big deal hopefully they make the smart choices not to drive i think today thanks to uber and everything else you know it's really funny should be better i even want i used to think that too it's i know this is incredibly deep but now but i realized also it's a good thing oh yeah yeah that uber and lyft were not around there for me yeah. at that point yeah, because I would have not. I, I'm, I would have found another reason yeah. to keep drinking. You found the solution for driving, <laughs> right? Exactly. Oh, right. I can still drink because I found the driving solution. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So I'm so glad you you actually finally told your story here. I think it's good for you, yeah. and I know it's good for people who who will listen and hear this. Yeah, and I hope it hasn't been like you know terribly. And, and it's a heavy subject. I get that. Um, and it's, it's not something real. we normally talk about, but I write, but I, it's just something that, you know, today I did, I, I felt compelled to share. It wasn't that I was ever hiding it from anybody. I'm not ashamed. I want to share the story, honestly, because if it helps somebody, that's great. And honestly, also, every time I share the story, it helps me. Yes. It reinforces. And, um, you know, the other thing, because Sam, I do want to hear yours. We need to do a podcast. We on, don't on know yours. yours. I know. We don't. We only no. know bits and pieces. Right. You never. Um, but, you always make a joke instead. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, uh, mine involves relapses. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. normal. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I don't. Did yours or did you, you just the day it was? It was. It was. Period. Uh, you know, it's funny. I think I had many relapses fifteen years before, just not really realizing that I would like try to dial it back and, but. Once yeah. I once I quit, I didn't. But I again, I think that's probably because I've been through the program. It's, so here's another thing that Jody. It's a great question too. Uh, how in the world did I decide to stop having a drink without going to regular AA sessions and all that? Never, and so, you never did. So, but here's the here, and, and this is not. I'm certainly not advising that somebody doesn't do that. Here's the reason why. Number one. All of that pretrial stuff that I went through was engaging in that way. There sure. was conversation. There was all of the, you know, the, the, everything that was a presentation also was accompanied by 
a group discussion. Okay, so I did a, I experienced that that way. The second thing is I'm naturally an expressive person and open to counseling anyway, probably because I'd been through that already with my dad and others. It was not, I don't want to say it was you know, always easy. At first I was very ashamed, um, which is natural too. I think you need to feel that feeling at the beginning to kind of give that little kick in the butt to understand this is rock bottom. But um, uh, but but anyway, I so it's it it looks on the surface like I didn't quote unquote go through a program or whatever, but I actually did. It just didn't look like the classic AA. I sure. had been to AA before mm. many times. I had been to Al-Anon before. I had been to I've been through conjoint with my dad before. Uh, I've retained a counselor in my life for you know fifteen years for the diabetes and everything else. So it is a program just of a, di- you know, of a different sort. Sure. And look, and it doesn't mean I'm not even, it, it could be tomorrow that I decide I need to go to one of these, if it's, even if it's to help somebody else or just to help myself. Sure. So I, it's not that I'm not open to it. I think that everybody experiences it a little bit differently. And you know, my dad, I didn't know this until, he didn't tell this story until after my mom passed. So many stories that he shared after my mom passed. So when he went through his 23-day, 28-day inpatient program. For the next 18 months, he wound up being a leader of group meetings. Mm -hmm. Voluntarily, on his own, that's what he wanted to do. And that was his therapy, you know, to get through it. And he did go to AA and those things, you know, at first. And then he, after 18 months, he decided that he was, he didn't need that anymore. Yeah. Now, and we were worried about that at that time, you know, and uh, but he never took another drink. But now that I also look at that, I understand he had friends. He had somebody that had gone through it kind of with him a few years before. But that friend, it was a high school buddy of his that they stayed really close. And so they did have conversation. Right. And he was actually a sponsor for a while of some people mm-hmm. after he finished the uh, after he finished the 18 months. I didn't know that either. So, yeah, he, he, so he would talk on the phone. Yeah. And most importantly, my dad, who was an incredibly private, introverted person who never talked about anything, that was the first time in his life where he still didn't talk a whole lot until after my mother passed. But he would share that story. He had no problem sharing that story with anybody, what he went through, you know, one day at a time, what he got. He, he still has his big book. We found his big book. I mean, it's, it's, he went through a program, right? And it's, it, it's there's so many, um, I guess, misconceptions around that part too. Yeah. You know, and well, alcoholic. It's the wrong way to right. do it. You have to do it your way. Correct. And, and that's, that's the whole craziness about it, right? It's very, individ- just like you have to be the one to decide to do it yourself. Everybody's, there are similarities, which is the whole reason for the group thing. But it's still a very personal experience that everybody, you know, handles differently. And I think the key is knowing what you need to do for yourself to stay mm-hmm. sober. And if that's going to an AA meeting, great. If it's going yeah. to AA every day, great. You know, if it's a call whatever to a friend, takes. whatever. Right, exactly. It's just going to be different by sure. each individual, you know, person. But, um, uh, you know. It's easy for me to explain this, but I'm no better than anybody else that's been through this. It's not, you know, what do they say? You're one drink away from relapse. You're one choice away from relapse. That's and what's... and when you go back, by the way, and I've this is this is not something I want to try because I find it an interesting psychological concept. But apparently, when you go back, if you take that one more drink, you go right back to where you left off. It's not going to be oh great, cool. I'll have another one in a month from now. You go right back to what you were doing before. You do. It's hard it's, to believe. Yeah. You do. It, uh, 
for when I did it because I I quit and we're not going to use mine here. But okay. I want to do yours. I do want to do your story. Yes, one day, Sam. Yeah. I, I quit when I quit twice. It was for months. Yeah. And when I got back into it, it's because I convinced myself I could handle this. I got okay. I quit. I showed myself I could quit. I understand what the problem was. I got this now. Yeah. I'll have a beer. Right. I'll have two beers, three beers, and then. Yeah, you're right. right you back. were right. I mean, it wasn't like that day I was right back into it, right. but it was like within, you know, it took me 40 something years to, to get into it. And yeah, then the next right. time it took me a week. Yeah. <laughs> right. I you know. know. It's yeah. so funny. Both of you have always struggled with how explaining, you know, why you don't want, like today when we, when I posted, you don't want to, when you spoke about it in the show, Murphy, like you don't want to celebrate it. You're, you're just, Yes, I'm going to mark the day. It is 10 years today, but I can't celebrate it. That's the reason you can't, because if you've admitted you're powerless over something, you just face it every day. It is not something to overcome in a grand way. Exactly. If you're powerless over it, I guess there's always that, is it fear? Is it fear? There's always that chance, maybe, that mm? you don't want to act like you've conquered. Well, I think humility is an important part of the whole process. In fact, if I'm remembering correctly, Sam, I think it's one of the 12 steps, right? Well, admitting you're powerless is one of them, Admitting powerless, but but being humble somewhere in the mix of those, you know, 12. And see, I mean, I can't recite them all now because it's it's been a while. But uh, Interesting. But, you know, yeah, you have to remain humble about that. It's not, I haven't conquered anything. Right, because you would still be, you feel you would still be powerless over right. it if it were. Right. If and plus, you, if, if you, you did that and went, if went there. If, if, the, if the thought just glimpses or passes into your head, it could be over with right there. Yeah. You could say, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. I mean, and, and this is completely different, but I've heard the same thing about suicides. People that sit there and that think about suicide, if they would just, Get it out of their head. If they could make it through the five minutes that they're focused on, I, I got to do it. It, it and, it'll and pass. I've and I felt, felt this before. If you, yeah, it'll pass. Whether it's you talk yourself out of it or what, a lot of times it's just right there in that moment. If I can just get through the next thirty seconds, not right. even the next day, the next right. thirty seconds, and right. then it's like, okay, now I know why I shouldn't. And, you can. and, and boom, you're back on the good path. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. the, it's the impulse. It's understanding that that, you know, it's the reason that you can't conquer it is because if you could conquer it, you could actually eliminate the problem. Yeah, but you, you can make can, a million dollars right. selling it but, to everybody. But you can't. Hmm. You're, you're not conquering anything because you are. You just have to face it. Every you're day. accepting something that you can't change. Mm-hmm. And That's so, big. and until you accept that, yeah, you think you can. Yeah. Oh, it's just because you've always done that. Yeah, it's yeah. just me. I, you know, I'll wow. lay off for a while I, and then I, I'll be good. I will hey. say this: I really, really think that one of the most beautiful things about the two of you and your little your bromance here, the friendship that you guys have had, I always make fun of it as a bromance, but you have a true friendship, the two of you, is that you share this now, and it's mm-hmm. different for you, but you do share it. And when we joke about it on the show, when you guys throw out all these jokes about it, it's you dealing with it together. Yeah. Well, what's funny it's is when, when Sam and I first met, though, I mean, we would we would even go We've do, shared alcohol. Oh, yeah, I we know. have. We would go do lunch meetings and oh, we would have there. beers. We've, had, we've shared. I mean, you've been there, too, Jody. Some Lots. very, very late nights. Yes. Yes. Right. And early mornings the next right. day. Yep. And what's funny is when you and I first met, I don't know at that time, 
we didn't know it was a problem for us, but it was like it wasn't. I mean, no. it wasn't really, a, you know, considering how early we get up in the morning to come do what we do, right? It's not yeah. like you could be pounding it every single night. <laughs> however, well, however, we, right, exactly. You, when, when, it, when, when it does evolve, yeah, it's, you know, it's, yeah. but anyway, so, you know, I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you actually said that, Jody, because now I actually do know why it's it, it's not sell. At first, I thought it was just a pressure is the reason that I can't celebrate it, but it's not something. It's something to reward and acknowledge. Thank God I got through another day, but you know, conquering takes the humility out of it. And the moment that you get the ego and you think that you're in control again, yeah. guess what could happen? Well, it's Scarlet say tomorrow's just another day. Right, exactly. So I'm I mean, just, it could be tomorrow that so, something really so grabs that's why one day at a yeah. time is the most brilliant piece of advice, mm-hmm. not just for this, but certainly for any sort of addiction. Something that you're powerless over one day at a time is is beautiful, yeah. you know? So, All right. Well, we, we won't and, say congratulations, but I will say well, that I'm it's okay. really you can proud. Say, you can say congrats. I'm really proud of you, obviously. It greatly impacted my life, your oh, decisions, those choices mm-hmm. you made. If you had made different choices, we might not be sitting here together right. talking about this. Well, and, you know uh, that's and I'm the lucky truth. that it would be Murphy and Sam and we'd have another person. Maybe. I don't know. If I'd have made it, it, look, the choice that I made, it's lucky. We're lucky that it's still Murphy, Sam, and Jody, mm-hmm. because I don't know that I would have, you know, I don't know that I would have been here. Mm-hmm. And it's not about me. It, it's the it's the officer that I almost got into a head-on collision with that really sums the he whole thing up. Could have changed his whole life too. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, you know, big big after that's, the show podcast. That's Ten years now, you know, you know, now you know the rest of the story. And like I always like to say with ease is I'll drink to that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I knew it. But I do, I, I do want to do another podcast. I know, you know I want to do Sam. Stamina, so you know, and I promise, no pressure. Yeah. September will be four years for me, yeah. so maybe we could do it then. Okay. Okay, I was gonna, I was gonna say this week, but whatever. Oh, you, or this week when you want. Well, I mean, to. that's two heavy ones in a week. When yeah. you want. We need to have comedy tomorrow. Whenever you want. Okay. Missed any part of the show? Get it all on the Murphy Sam and Jody podcast.